Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What we found is that um, your character can predict more about your success than your skill or your IQ. And what that means is that in mental health, we want to teach the next generation of therapists to make a full assessment, not just what you might be deficient at or what's depleting you, but what makes you resilient, what makes you thrive, what um, what helps you flourish. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Are you in a daily battle with anxiety or depression or both? My guest today is Dr. Dan Tomasulo. He says that although anxiety disrupts the lives of millions of people, there's hope. And he's here to share some tools to help us access the emotional skills that help us shift well-being into a more positive direction. Dr. Thomas Sulo calls this the positivity effect. Are you ready to meet him? Dr. Dan Tomasulo is the academic director and core faculty at the Spirituality Mind Body Institute, Teachers College, Columbia University. And he's on the teaching staff at the University of Pennsylvania. He holds a PhD in psychology, an MFA in writing, and a Master of Applied Positive Psychology from the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Tomasulo is review editor for Frontiers in Psychology, special section on positive psychology, and he's been honored by Teachers College, Columbia University, with their 2021 Teaching Award. ShareCare has honored Dr. Tomasulo as a top 10 online influencer on the issue of depression. And his new book, The Positivity Effect, was recently the number one new release on Amazon for anxiety. You can find out more at danthomasulo.com and you can find resources right away. You text the word HOPE to 55444. Dan, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you so much, Karen, for having me back. I'm uh, excited to be here. I'm glad you're here. There's a stigma around these issues, isn't there, around anxiety and depression and mental health stuff. What is it that stops people from getting help? And why is it that the help that people get often doesn't address the problem? Oh, what a great question. And um, I, I think the answer might be different in different countries um, because there are different taboos. Um, but I'll I'll try to answer um, as best I can, knowing that um, there's a type of stigma attached to having an emotional issue, uh, whether it be depression or uh, anxiety or any other mental health issue. And what happens is that um, people find it difficult to talk about and certainly don't want to uh, have all that information come out with family and friends uh, because it starts to change how people think about you. Uh, 
So very often uh, people don't look for help right away and it builds up. And then if it starts to bubble up as depression and anxiety, which are two of the most common uh, mental health issues, uh, they're not likely to jump into therapy or talk to a therapist, uh, they're much more likely to go to their primary care physician because uh, they they want a pill uh, to, uh, to help with that, to reduce the anxiety. I'm not against medicine at all. It's just that um, that's just one of the tools. Ultimately, you want to find whatever is at the cause of that and deal with that more directly. So that it's a very natural human instinct, I think, or impulse to seek relief first. And what I'm hearing you say is that while that's okay, it doesn't touch the underlying issue. It doesn't dig into why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? What's fueling this? And and what happens, uh, you know, something I talk about a good deal in the, uh, in the book, The Positivity Effect, is that... Um, when people take the medicine, they get some relief. The, the problem is when they stop taking the medicine, um, the anxiety or the depression come right back. And and so you you find something that, that works, but then you have to keep taking it. And often uh, with some of the medicines, you have to keep taking more of it. And some of the medicines have addictive properties. So what you really want to do is if you need medicine to help break the cycle, that's great. But then to try and find out what's making this percolate, what's underneath this. Um, you know, it's sort of like cleaning up an oil spill. We can clean up the beaches forever, but we better go shut it off at the source so that we have a better handle on um, taking care of ourselves. How do we start to feel into then the source of what's bothering us? For me, when I think about anxiety, so I'm a super anxious person, a lot of anxiety from a family of anxious people. <laughs> um, right. That's right. when I think about it, to me, anxiety kind of feels almost like running away from something, even if I'm ruminating, because in that focus on the rumination or on the anxiety, I'm not actually taking steps to change the thing I'm anxious about. Do you know what I mean? I, I surely do. Um, the, the thing I think that that happens, you know, anxiety kind of gets a bad rap, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's important to recognize that we're not trying to uh, wipe it out. You know, being anxious is a good thing. You know, if I have a test coming up uh, and um, I'm a student, I'm going to want to study for that test. And the anxiety is actually a really good thing. What happens is that we keep interpreting this activation as something that's bad. Right. And then it grows arms and legs because, oh, I'm anxious about the test or I'm anxious about this. We have to be able to understand that it just like natural forces, the wind, uh, the sun, uh, water, these can be horribly destructive. You know, the wind can blow the roof off your house and it can, you know, water can can uh, cause a flood and the sun can cause cancer. But 
properly harnessed, these same energy sources can be tremendously helpful. You know, you put up a, a windmill and all of a sudden you got free power that can can help tremendously. Same thing, solar power and water can turn turbines. So the idea is to just not immediately identify this uh this feeling as uh, oh i'm worried about something yeah that's one interpretation but it also can be a type of readiness you know i work with uh, a lot of performance people actors actresses and that kind of stuff and um if they get too anxious before an audition uh it'll it'll jam them up but if they see that anxiety is something that is not just there to hold them back, but as an activation of readiness to help them have courage to face what they need to do and, and be prepared, it, it actually can help tremendously. Is that part of the hope around anxiety, Dan, that that it's um it becomes to me it feels like it like a little edge that I can ride sometimes safely to help me do a better job on the test? Oh, or absolutely. Absolutely. Didn't mean to cut you off there, but absolutely. It's um, uh, hope is the only positive emotion that requires negativity or uncertainty to be activated. And, you know, that's really one of the things that got me uh, uh, fascinated when I when I wrote, learned hopefulness. It was taking a deep dive into the research about hope and then, you know, moving on in, into this current book, it's it's about um, uh, hope, empowerment, resilience, and optimism, um, which conveniently spells out hero, right? <laughs> but but uh, these four uh, elements are, are really masterful in being able to take something that is initially a threat response or something negative and learning how to uh, grapple with it. So there's a transformational uh, property. You you get to transform something uncomfortable. As as an example, um, I highly advocate going toward conflict, um, not to avoid it at, at any cost, because what it'll what that'll do is that already has a degree of empowerment. You're already saying, well, you know, this isn't pretty, but I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to put it on the agenda. I'm going to cope with it. I'm going to find a way through. I'm going to get a, a consultation. I'm going to deal with it at some level. But if you don't do that, the avoidance creates something called the neurotic paradox. You, you get off the hook in the short run. You think, I didn't have to deal with that. But then your your self-esteem takes a hit. You have depression, uh, anxiety, guilt, resentment, all these things keep getting generated because you know you never dealt with it. And then the next darn thing that comes along, you're not ready for that because you're you're in a weakened state. So dealing with things um, uh, as, as they come up allows you to start using that energy in a very direct way, rather than letting it sort of stockpile and then become um, an obstacle. And that's different from being combative. You sounds like you're talking about really addressing things as they come up, not being afraid of the discomfort that that causes. Absolutely, absolutely. Like the the discomfort is, um, uh, you know, I I don't I don't want to get too. Uh, I usually 
say I don't want to get too Californian, but I won't say that in this instance. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say that um, you want to make your anxiety your friend. But the truth of the matter is there's been a ton of research about confronting your stress, confronting your anxieties uh, that shows that you can respond to it in such a way that it becomes a, a courage response, which doesn't put your body into stress. You know, we have things like cortisol and adrenaline that'll pump through us and really tear the body down. It tears down the telomeres. It tears. Tear, it does a. It does a number on the body. It was designed for emergencies, but most of us walk around like there's an emergency going every 15 seconds. So the system is on uh, overload. And if we can understand that the system wasn't designed to do that and that what we really need is a way to use that energy to move towards solutions you start seeing um, uh, problems as projects and uh, obstacles as something that might have other possibilities that not just blocking us but there may be other ways to look at things mm. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Dr. Dan Tomasulo. His new book is The Positivity Effect, Simple CBT Skills to Transfer Anxiety, to Transform Anxiety and Negativity into Optimism and Hope. You can find out more about Dr. Tomasulo and his work at dantomasulo.com, or you can text the word HOPE to 55444. Now, in, in the book, in The Positivity Effect, you introduced the idea of psychological capital. What what does that mean? What is that? Well, you know, there's uh, financial capital. You know, yeah, how much money do you have to start a business? There's uh, uh, social capital. Who do you know? There's human capital. What are the people around you and uh, their skills, that kind of thing. But psychological capital is what we want to um, draw on in order to promote our well-being. And uh, as I was saying, these four elements, hope, empowerment, resilience, and optimism, are, are really uh, the keys to understanding how you can transform uh, negative energy into something positive. Um, uh, they used to... Um, you know, talk about something called the negativity bias. When you study positive psychology, the negativity bias is a big thing because it means we're wired to worry. You know, if Jack and Sam are outside the cave and Jack says, hey, I, I hear some pretty interesting noises in the cave. Uh, I'm going to go in and investigate it. And Sam says, I, I don't like those noises. I'm I'm kind of worried about them. I'm going to stay out here. Well, Jack gets eaten and, and, <laughs> and Sam's genes get passed on to us. Um, but the negativity bias means that we're we're on the edge often to worry about something. And um, if you were to think of negative thoughts like pebbles and positive thoughts like feathers, how, how do you ever balance that out, right? If you put them on a scale, the pebbles would win every time. And the question becomes, is there a way where the feathers can outweigh the pebbles? Well, the short answer is yes, of course, but you need a lot of feathers. Um, and the other thing you need to do is learn how to move that fulcrum point so that the feathers actually get more weight, more heft. Um, and 
That's really what the positivity effect does. It gives you a, a series of strategies for starting to uh, think about the world differently. Uh, just because something is negative or uncomfortable or difficult or comes to you as a problem doesn't mean that, uh, it, first of all, it is that way. It might be interpreted that way, but it might not be that way. And then second of all, just because that's your first thought doesn't mean that's the only way to look at it. And when I've studied people with high hope, I find out that uh, uh, they use all of these strategies for interpreting the world in such a way that um, um, they start creating more feathers in their life. What I mean by feathers is more positive emotions, um, more um, of a way of hunting the good, uh, trying to appreciate good things in their life. And what happens is that scale tips and as you get good at that, you can keep that fulcrum point, you know, moving toward the uh, uh, the other side and the, the feathers will eventually outweigh those pebbles on a regular basis. You want to keep the pebbles off. You don't want to ruminate about something too long. You don't want to immerse yourself in negativity, but you don't want to avoid the negative things either. You want to face them head on directly with these tools. For people with patterns of rumination, is there a way to help us, because I'm one of those people, um, snap out of it? And I mean that with yeah. kindness. I don't mean snap yeah, out yeah, of it yeah. a bad thing, yeah. but in, yeah. a, not, in a good way. Knock it of off, it. right? Yeah, what's the matter? Stop rumination. Oh, that worked. I, I don't want it anymore. That's, I'm a genius. Well, you know, the, again, this might sound very, well, one of the things, by the way, I'll just say this up front is that the, these interventions are incredibly simple. I'm going to talk to you about a very simple one right now. And in, in some ways, that's a detriment because people go, ah, that's too simple. How could it work? <laughs> but it's having, I probably have 40 or 50 uh, interventions that I use on a regular basis that are all incredibly simple, but it's having uh, the right tool at the right time. So as an example, with rumination, uh, what you're really talking about is something that's uh, known as intrusive rumination, right? Meaning that you don't want these thoughts and you can't seem to stop them. And they happen one right after the other. Um, and uh, believe it or not, one of the best and most effective things that you can do is to simply pause. And, and again, that sounds kind of small potatoes are easy to do. Um, but anything that is going to give you pause for thought, including a single deep breath, uh, including, uh, you know, as they say with uh, heart math, you know, you take a breath in as if your heart is breathing in that breath, and then you release it as if your heart is releasing that. Mm -hmm. Anything that promotes coherence, uh, a pause, recognition that you're having, ruminating thoughts, uh, anything that does that leads to emotional self-regulation. So if I'm having a, a, a an avalanche of negative thoughts, right, and I oh I'm worried about this, worried about that, and I'm I'm having all that, and I realize oh my goodness, I've been thinking about this for a half an hour nonstop, and I decide deliberately to take a breath and then maybe to take a walk or maybe to do anything 
that I deliberately choose to do. Now I've I've got something that generates emotional self-regulation. If I deliberately decide to take a breath, that's called deliberate rumination, right? I'm thinking I need to take a breath. And then if I start to think, huh, uh, what are three good things that happened yesterday? I'm using a deliberate rumination to shift my thoughts and feelings. And your thoughts and feelings are like the front wheels of a car. You turn them to the left, the car goes to the left. You turn it to the right, they they, they go to the right. And, you know, if you sp- spend too much time in ambivalence where one wheel is pointed one way and one wheel is going the other way, it doesn't matter where you go, right? But but this idea of deliberate rumination, a a chosen act, a chosen thought that you're going to do as a reaction to the intrusive rumination, that's going to work wonders because it gives you some degree of empowerment. It gives you some degree of hope. It shows resilience. And if you do that on a regular basis, that'll generate optimism. Mm. Which is then becomes kind of part of my psychological capital, if I'm understanding. Here are the resources that I can call on. Here's mm-hmm. what I can work with. I can work with my power to take a breath mm-hmm. and just pause. And then I can go back to intrusive thoughts if that feels like, or I can go do something else. But in that moment of my choice, my freedom, that becomes part of my spending money, sort of, of my points that I have to spend to work through some other things. Am yeah, I understanding well, correctly? Well, well put, Karen. Yeah, that's really well put. You know, it's funny. I I, I do, uh, you know, lots of different uh, consultations. And when I work with businesses, um, uh, particularly since the pandemic, one, one of the things that's happened is that there's very high turnover. They're, they have trouble, you know, getting workers, keeping workers, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, and we talk about this kind of thing. You, you want people who have high hope or have high psychological capital um, because if they have that, if we can measure that and they have that, oh my goodness, they're going to be able to deal with whatever comes up, whatever's, whatever the struggle is going to be. And they're, they're usually going to find their, their work or their situation very powerful. And the same is true with, you know, uh, other organizations and, uh, you know, families, relationships, uh, psychological capital ends up being a a really simple and uh, robust way to uh, keep moving towards um, positivity. Mm. So you've been talking about positive psychology and the subtitle of the book is Simple CBT Skills. So I'm imagining that's cognitive behavioral therapy. Yes. What is positive psychology? I know it's not just relentless positivity about everything all the time, because that would be terrible. And I don't think that's a good idea. So what is positive psychology really? Uh, Well, the the short answer is it's uh, the idea of using uh, thoughts and uh, feelings that have a uh, positive impact for individuals, um, uh, organizations, uh, and institutions. So that what we're trying to do is help people understand that they have a choice about what they think and feel, and that there are 
simple tools that can help foster this well-being. And in positive psychology, uh, we don't ignore the negative. You know, if the if the railroad tracks are coming down uh, and the train is coming, this isn't a good time to be optimistic, right? <laughs> <laughs> we want to we want to worry a little bit. It, it's really about keeping the balance. You know, if there if there's a takeaway from our talk today, I would hope people would um, see it as restoring balance that you you want to with positive psychology. If you look at the history. Uh, of of psychology, it was based on the medical model where if we take away the pain you have, if we take away what's causing you suffering, then you're healed. Well, that simply hasn't worked. If you if you take a look now, we have something um, uh, of a paradox happening. We have all these treatments in psychology, but um, things are worse now than ever before. So why is that? Well, they've only been focused on reducing pain and suffering. And while there's nothing wrong with that, it's only been the last 20 years that positive psychology has tried to increase well-being. And that's a different skill set. You know, we we can take all the pebbles off that scale we want, but if you're not adding feathers on the other side, a grain of sand is going to tip it in the other direction. So it's it's intentional effort at trying to make for uh, an accumulation of experiences that are positive. And it's not just changing how we as like regular people are, but it's, there's also a change. It feels to me just from what I see and read in how people who are, who want to become therapists and psychiatrists and doctors and counselors. And there's a shift now in the way that people are being trained it feels mm-hmm. to me to try to include more of this holistic understanding of the power of both negativity and positivity in our healing. Without a doubt. Uh, I, I think the way to um, say that is that that's beginning. It, it takes a long time to go up against the standard approach, even in the, um, uh, you, you know, even in the university, uh, we have some of the best researchers and clinicians around um, and they don't, <laughs> you know, the students typically don't get my course till the end. Mm. Of their <laughs> and so they have a positive psychology course and they're like, oh my goodness, you know, we've learned how to diagnose everything. Um, uh, but uh, not how to generate uh, gratitude. Okay, well, we're going to learn about that. So you can put that into your assessment and and simple things like character strengths. You know, the we have 30 million people now in the database for um, uh, character strengths. And what we found is that um, your character can predict more about your success than your skill or your IQ. And what that means is that in mental health, we want to teach the next generation of therapists to make a full assessment, not just what you might be deficient at or what's depleting you, but what makes you resilient, what makes you thrive, what um, what helps you flourish. Because if we can assess that, then we'll look for that. 
one of the problems now is that we have all of these assessments for what's wrong with you, you know, the DSM and the, you know, uh, Diagnostic and Statistical Manual has a number for every malady out there. Uh, and uh, so sure enough, if you're looking for something wrong, you're going to find it. And what we're really approaching now is saying, uh, let's look for the good stuff and try to uh, finesse that, facilitate that. Because if we do, we'll have a better chance at tipping that scale. Thank you so much for talking with me. Um, this is this gives me a lot of hope because there's a, that shift from what's what's wrong with me or what's wrong with us or what's wrong with them is it, you're offering a different perspective. And I'm glad it's not just staying, being taught to university students. I'm glad you're taking this work and putting it out in the world um, so that we can read it too and start to act on what you're sharing. Well, thank you, Karen. Thank you for inviting me and your thoughtful and probing questions really help to highlight it. Mm. I've been talking with Dr. Dan Tomasulo. His new book is The Positivity Effect, Simple CBT Skills to Transform Anxiety and Negativity into Optimism and Hope. You can find out more about Dan and his work at dantomasulo.com. That's D-A-N-T-O-M-A-S-U-L-O.com, dantomasulo.com. He has a great TED Talk, uh, TEDx Talk video up on YouTube right now, so you can find that there. Um, it's a great resource. Um, there are interventions in there, more interventions that you can use now. So please check that out on YouTube. And remember, you can get resources anytime by texting the word HOPE to 55444. And of course, you're always welcome over at KarenHager.com. You knew that, right? You're always welcome over there. It's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session with me if that feels aligned. And there's more fun on Instagram where I'm Fog City Psychic over there and I'm posting jigsaw puzzles and pictures of things I saw while I was walking the dog and just basically anything that crosses my mind, including additional out of the fog content. Thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.